Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales? Scale the business? Yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. This episode is sponsored by Joe Middleton, founder of Franchise Business School, helping franchisors and aspiring franchisors strategically turbocharge their business growth through a range of comprehensive online masterclasses, exclusive membership, and one-to-one mentoring. Head over to FranchiseBusinessSchool.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Today, I have the lovely Joe Middleton from the Franchise Business School, who is also my podcast sponsor. And I'm interviewing her today. So super excited. Hello, Joe. Hi, Charlie. Great to be here. Well, it's just a joy, isn't it? Because franchising as you know is one of my favorite topics of conversation and I've known you for years well before the entrepreneurs growth club and the franchise business school when we were franchisors ourselves but um tell all my listeners give them a little introduction to you and how you got to where you are today Gosh, so I guess long story, very long story, very short, um, is that I founded my first business when I was pregnant with my first daughter, who is now 21, nearly 22. Um, And I have built and sold businesses ever since. Um, I love building a business um, and selling it on because it gives you a purpose for building it and you're building it as an asset rather than treating it as a a hobby and then I had a um, pet care business and a dog first aid training business Um, and I wanted to take one of them through the franchising process but no one had ever taken a dog first aid business um, through franchising in the whole world there were no dog first aid franchises so I didn't think it was possible Um, but I got some legal advice and I got some business advice and that's how we came to be in the same franchising world (laughs) and like yeah dog first aid always struck me you know I'm not really a dog person I know I shouldn't say that in front of you but (laughs) it's good to you know be honest in these scenarios (laughs) dog first aid Mm. but it did phenomenally well didn't it yeah absolutely um I sold the network in 2020 um and at that point we had franchisees from the north of Scotland down to the Isle of Wight um the business had won numerous awards and it was absolutely flying um, we flipped to a virtual model through covid which was hard um, really hard times as it was for for most business owners although some did obviously thrive um, but um, just as I was going through the the process to sell it I founded franchise business school which is what brings me here today um, because there were certain areas in the franchising process that I felt um, were either missing or that I wish I'd had extra support or just some key bits 
like the beginning and the end. <laughs> so <laughs> key, really key. <laughs> so the beginning in what is it actually like to be a franchisor? I mean, you might have a business that's franchisable, but no one actually prepares you that it's different from running a normal business or the business that you're running at the moment and that initially you'll be running two businesses and are you set up to be running the business that you're franchising and a franchise business which is completely separate so I do a lot of focus around um, the beginning and the end bit <laughs> um, and the launching a franchise and the recruiting new franchisees and shameless plug for my book that's coming out later this year all around selling franchises because that's a, a massive jigsaw puzzle piece and it's very different from selling the business offering that of the business that you're franchising um so yeah it's it's all going brilliantly and I'm such a, a nerd when it comes to all things franchise that I love just geeking out and uh, problem solving with my clients so let's have a little chat around this idea of selling franchises, because obviously that's sort of my power subject. I was absolutely passionate about selling franchises because what I found in the space was that people franchise their business in terms of they'd done the legals, they'd got all ready to franchise and they were operating as if they were a franchisor. But the only thing that was missing was that they didn't have any franchisees yet. And for me, at that point, if you don't have any franchisees, you're not a franchisor. It is so tricky because it's um, a real mindset shift. And imposter syndrome's rife in the industry. I can't remember the stats off the top of my head. But in the most recent Franchise Like a Boss challenge that I did, um, I did a poll about imposter syndrome and so many franchisors uh, have got massive imposter syndrome particularly the emerging ones because they're going from something that they're selling that is pounds to something that's thousands of pounds and people are um, looking at getting loans to buy it and doing things that are going to change their lives and the franchisors tends to take all of that on their shoulders when actually it's not them that is responsible for making that decision um but i feel that um selling franchises and you might disagree with me but I feel that selling franchises is um, different from other sales because you don't just want to sell to anyone who'll buy you you are very specific about the person that you want to buy and your ideal franchisee because it's a longer term sort of partnership relationship as opposed to someone buying something off the shelf and going on their way you're involved with that person and their business for the duration of the term of the franchise agreement at least and so how picky do you think people should be? You know, let's imagine that there's somebody, they've come to you for advice, they're really struggling to make a franchise sale. Um, they've got two people interested, but they don't think they're quite right. How how picky should we be as franchisors? Oh, it's so, so tricky because initially when you first franchise, it's, it's quite... Um, 
or what I see quite often is it's my baby and I don't want to just let anyone run it and what if they ruin it and ruin the business that I've set up and and there's a an element of fear factor that comes into play whereas um on the opposite end of the spectrum cash flow sometimes dictates that you need a an injection from a franchise sale um and then you see franchisors selling territories to franchisees that maybe weren't the right fit for the business um so it's a, a balancing act of making sure i think that um you are well equipped um in terms of your cash flow forecast projections so you know what you're aiming for knowing your numbers and the metrics through your sales funnel of how many you need to get in the top of the funnel to get those quality franchisees out of the bottom and keeping your focus on filling that that sales funnel and do you know what I always struggled with? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you'll um, you'll resonate with this, but um, sometimes I would be qualifying off a franchisee, and I would think you are going to be awesome. You're going to take the world by storm. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're so lucky to have you. And then other times I've been like, oh, I'm not sure. There's a few red flags, and I can't tell you the amount of times that has switched over and the ones yeah. that I've expected to be amazing have been a little bit wishy-washy <laughs> and the ones who were like a little bit under the radar mm. have gone so I, I ended up thinking am I a bad judge of character mm. or is this just really hard it is really tricky no absolutely and, and you find the ones that you're a bit sort of on the fence about um that, that do soar and do fly then you end up tweaking your ideal franchisee profiling to target more of them yeah. in your marketing and your copy moving forwards uh, and they sort of change the business um did you know that or you probably do know but I don't know some of your listeners will know um that a franchisee actually developed the McDonald's Big Mac and brought brought oh, in really? all of I that did you know all no. of the additional revenue stream for McDonald's head office and all of the franchisees that all came from a franchisee development of the Big Mac? Wow. But yes. I can see that because as a franchisor, you come away from the product, don't you? You know, me and Alex will be working in the um, Phonics HQ and particularly during COVID, this was massive for us. We hadn't seen a class for like two years because we didn't want to be extra bodies in the room. And, um, you know, there wasn't the capacity to. And actually the franchisees are so much closer to the product. So that feedback that they're giving HQ is so important. So I could totally see how that would happen. Yeah, absolutely. And having that ongoing relationship to the best of your ability, because obviously different personalities come into play. Some franchisees want to be more involved with the head office ongoing and uh, others that want more of a hands off approach. But the better you can keep that relationship with your franchisees, who are ultimately your customers, um, the the sweeter things will go longer term but hands up I've made mistakes and you know we've we're all human and you learn from them and there have been times where I've I've maybe acted in a way like actually no that's not what it says in your franchise agreement when it would have been better to go in a more softly softly approach um but you, you live and you learn eh Absolutely. And so I'm going to come on to talking about franchisees in a little bit, but I just want to stick with this idea of franchising your business, because I actually think that 
I, I would recommend it to anybody. It's such a great way of growing and scaling a business. Um, what would you say to somebody, maybe one of my listeners who's thinking about franchising, but they're not sure if it's the right thing to do? Um, well, I'd say come and speak to me, obviously. <laughs> we'll have a chat. Um, but there are various um, sort of formulas, if you like, that um, components, I guess, is probably a better word that I look at in in businesses um, that want to franchise. So traits in the business owner is ambitious, driven, wanting to look at a bigger picture rather than just the this year ahead for the business let's look at the next 10 years for your business the next mm. 20 even if you're not running your business then and you've moved on to pastures new what does that business look like <clears throat> excuse me um because when a franchisee is investing into a franchise brand they need to know that their investment's safe and the franchisor's got that bigger picture in mind for the business and it's not going to be something that they're paying thousands of pounds of their life savings into and then a couple of years down the line actually the franchisee didn't have a the franchisor didn't have a plan for what was what was going to look like then um, so I think having those traits is really important and the business itself I like to work with clients who have got 25 to 30 percent plus net profit margin because then there's enough scope to be able to um, add the franchise fees in for if you were looking at it as a territory cash flow forecast a franchise territory that a franchisee was running um, the franchise fees then are not going to break the bank and the business would still be viable paying the franchise fees on going to head office um, you also need to obviously be able to just pick the business up and plunk it in the opposite side of the country and start again with the the model that you've got now and just build up again there um, but yeah I mean I could geek out on franchising all day <laughs> So let's talk about something that I have got a bit of a problem with. I don't know what your thoughts are going to be on this, but we worked with a franchise consultant to franchise our business. Um, I think he wanted about £15,000 from us, something in the realms of that. And um, we had paid him a third of that, I think. And um, we had these meetings with him and he couldn't seem to grasp what our business was about. He kept on calling it phonetics instead of phonics, for example. And, you know, he was there in his suit and tie and I just was sat around my kitchen table. He'd come to my house and I was thinking, I don't think that this man is the answer to all our problems. I don't have a clue how to franchise without him, but I don't want to give him another 10,000 pounds of, of my money. And so we said to him, like, look, we don't want to work with you anymore. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? Because you girls don't have a clue. And I was like, we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we we did. Um, and I, I've seen people, as I'm sure you have, you know, remortgage their house to pay for a franchise agreement and franchise lawyer. And the, they do these things because obviously everyone needs a franchise lawyer and our franchise lawyer is absolutely amazing. But they do the like multi-packages where you get a consultant and the legals in um people put like crazy crazy amounts of cash into this and that's what i i hated about it which is why i sort of um i used to do a course to help people do it without mm. that big financial um startup which quite frankly not everyone has what's your take on that 
Um, I have got a lot to say on this. <laughs> Me too, let's go. Yeah, let's get the soapboxes out. Right. <laughs> um, so firstly, um, my done for you franchise package is £12,000 at the moment, at the time of recording. It may change at some point, who knows. Um, but if you break that down, it works out that my time is valued at just over £100 an hour which for my time is very, very reasonable because of my experience and the amount of money that I've spent on my own personal and professional development to get to where I am today. Um, and that does include working with a franchise-specific solicitor um, to draw up the, all the relevant legal documents that my one-to-one -one clients need. Um, and that's all included in that package, as well as all the franchisee recruitment stuff and building a warm audience from the word go to sell the franchise offering to when you come out the other end. So you um, actually help them to make recruit their, their first franchisees. Well. And I sit in on their first discovery day. I help them plan all of their discovery day stuff. Um, um, and prepare their documents for them with their input, obviously, because I'm downloading their brain. Um, uh, but I don't think that's unreasonable at all. That's a six to 12 months process that I'm working with them well, to get through. Well, like when I work with someone myself as, you know, a, a sales expert now, but previously in the past, I've always looked at return on investment. Mm not relevant for everything but I think for this it is very relevant so if you were to tell me that you're going to help me to sell my first franchises yeah. first three pilots that's mm. your return on investment right there mm. plus you're going to get the legals that you can then continue to work with and you've got the package so I can completely yeah. see that that would be worthwhile however <laughs> and this is where my little soapbox comes in um however I myself was stung when I went through the franchising process, which is one of the main reasons that I'm so passionate about making sure that my clients are set up for success ongoing. Mm. Um, and I'm very particular about the people that I work with. And I have been known to sack a client and give them a refund because they've got to be the right fit um, to be a franchisor and to, to work with me. Um, but I understand that that level of investment isn't for everyone. And there are many people, um, and I do a lot of work in the children's activity space. I've got a business called WYSIWOO's Kids Clubs, which is financial literacy for primary school children. Oh. Um, and I, I'm experienced in the, the franchising space with uh, children's activities. Um, so I do a lot of work in, in that space. And um, I know that asking someone for a 12 grand investment up front to franchise their business is completely unrealistic. One of my clients, by the time she'd got to me, she'd spent over 30,000 pounds on consultants. She'd been told to remortgage her house by a franchise consultant, which I don't know if that's illegal, but it should be. You shouldn't be telling someone to remortgage an asset. Um, and she still didn't have one franchisee still didn't have one single franchisee it you, is crazy you can't understand how these people sleep at night 
no. So I do have a group package and it's just going through CPD accreditation. <laughs> so hopefully by the time this goes out in a couple of weeks time, you should hopefully have CPD accreditation on um, my scale franchise system, which incorporates um, all the systems, the community, which was missing when I franchised the business. There wasn't a community of uh, a safe community of mm. franchisors that you could bounce off. Um, the um, all of the um, legalities, the evaluation and the action plan um, to move forward with the 10 year bigger picture. Um, so that's all trademarked and gone in for CPD accreditation. So the group programme, I can obviously do at a far lower price. And it means that everyone's learning together, everyone's um, going through the process together um, and able to do it themselves. They've got the toolbox, they've got everything they need. And apart from the, um, the, the programme, the system, you don't need any money up front because there are ways, uh, which I'm sure you're aware of, of, of franchising a business without that upfront cost that is, is charged um, so highly by so many with a, a pipe dream of sitting on a, a beach with a cocktail with um, passive income rolling in next yeah. year. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you think there's anybody who would come to you and you just think franchising isn't for you? This mm. isn't. what what yeah. kind of people would you say um someone who wants to um micromanage um mm. you need to be able to set the systems and process and trust that you've done it adequately enough and your training system is robust enough to set those franchisees up for success with your ongoing support rather than micromanaging um, you need to trust yourself and the systems, the, the, the brand guidelines and everything is laid out in a way that my 15 year old could pick up the operations manual and implement it um, and that it meets different learning styles. Um, so I think someone who's not open to continuing their own learning and um, isn't open to um, outside of the box thinking and someone who who micromanages they wouldn't be an ideal fit to to a franchise become a franchisor in my mind i need to stop this podcast for one second to tell you about the fabulous jenna farmer if you want to make 2023 the year you and your business is featured in newspapers and magazines then jenna farmer is the person for you Jenna is a journalist and PR who teaches businesses how to get amazing press coverage that helps them become an authority online. On the 30th of January, she'll be delivering three completely free days of PR training to teach you how you can get your business in the media this year. For more information, head to the link in the show notes to sign up to this free PR challenge. So I'm really interested to hear what you think are the pros and the cons of franchising your business, because obviously mm. I've got my own opinions on this. But let's start with the pros. Why franchise your business? Uh, scale really quickly. Protect your business as well. I had some copyright issues, um, but through franchising, you're able to protect. Um, 
when you so say you came to me and you said right okay so I'm going to franchise my business or I'm going to open loads of new locations and get a manager in and uh, and do it myself um there when you've got a franchisee who has paid a lump sum and become a business owner in their own right under your umbrella they've got a serious vested interest in the success yeah. of that brand in their territory and they can't just go here's my month's notice see you later and leave you high and dry with a massive customer database that you've then got to quickly find a way to serve so us. true i remember making that change from having class leaders who we paid by the hour to having franchisees who had paid me yeah and they turned up to the training notebook in hand pen in hand let's go, let's go. <laughs> yeah. and i was like well this is a change from people bringing me oh i can't make the shift yeah. today because i don't quite fancy it and it was like a breath of fresh air yeah absolutely so they're a, they're a big pros and i mean it's as much or as little as you want i know franchisors who have been franchisors for 10 years and they've only got five franchisees because that is what works for them and their brand and that they don't want to scale they don't want to go um, global and then i know other franchisors who within three years are in australia and canada and europe so it is very much um how how big or little you want to make it and it can grow with you can't it like when me and alex franchise i was pregnant actually when we were going through it and then ernie was six weeks old when we trained up our first franchisees but um, and alex had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and then as our kids have sort of grown up and gone to school and stuff the the business has grown as well but what i love about it um as well is like giving people the piece a piece of the pie they are then becoming business owners and not only is your classes or your thing whatever it is is getting across the country but actually you're giving them the opportunity to run a business and that's all down to you yeah and that's one of the things that I with, with dog first aid when I franchised dog first aid I thought about the um the more uh, reach that we'd get and the more dogs lives that could potentially be saved as a result of mm. running course, courses um, in different locations but what I hadn't thought about was how being a franchisor I was literally changing people's lives mm. through them running their own business being able to pick their kids up from school being able to have that work-life balance that everyone strives for but they they have the power to then do that and to to get those skills we had one lady who was a, a vet um, working 80 hours a week in practice and then going home and researching cases um, and veterinary industry has one of the highest suicide rates of any any industry mm. um, and she came to me after she'd been on board for a few months and said that this has literally saved my life because I was at breaking point and I couldn't carry on the way I was mm. but because I now am able to do a couple of days a week in veterinary practice um to because you have to do a couple of days a week to keep your royal college of veterinary surgeons registration um so all of that stuff that i've done hasn't gone to waste and then i can um do my dog first aid admin the rest of the week and of course at the weekend and yeah absolute life changer for her uh, and it's the same with us the phonics of the robot red you know people have left the classroom and it's transformed their mm. life they get to spend more time with their kids and it's just amazing when you're a part of that um but what about the flip side joe what about oh, yes. the the cons the the things that people don't talk about yeah now i have a franchise or membership and we had i call them zoom offies it hasn't quite taken off but it's zoom and a coffee <laughs> 
<laughs> I love Zoom it. Off, no one else does. <laughs> but we have a monthly Zoom offie. And this morning, um, first morning back in January. Now, January is usually a great time for franchisee recruitment. Mm. Um, but a lot of my members are emerging franchisors so they either are just recruiting their first pilots or they have taken over an existing network from a franchisor that has sold out um so they're quite new to the franchising world um and the struggle no one sees everyone sees the highs of being a franchisor Mm. no one sees all the blood sweat and tears behind the scenes everyone sees the big awards and the um, celebrations and we do all celebrate our franchisees and their their achievements and our brand achievements but no one actually sees the real struggles and how how hard it is to recruit a franchisee sometimes to get the right fit especially when you're first starting out if you've gone through the process with a consultant that hasn't helped you with your franchisee recruitment strategy right from the word go, as well as the the nuts and bolts of the business. Um, So I'd say one of the cons is mental wellness and making sure that you protect your mental wellbeing. Um, I've got the Disruptive Franchise Awards coming up in June this year that I'm hosting to raise funds for a charity called MQ Mental Health. Um, We're raising funds and awareness for them. And um, I think 67% of franchisors who voted in a recent poll said that they'd been in a really dark place during their franchising journey. And um, I'd say that's definitely one of the cons that you need Mm. to be aware of is that actually you need to have those measures in place to protect yourself and not suddenly expect to have 10 franchisees in year one necessarily, because out of the franchisors on my call this morning, the most that anyone had recruited in year one was three. So, yeah, it's uh, that's definitely a con, I'd say, is thinking. I think you can take the weight of all the franchisees on your shoulders can't you there is that tendency um and I think sometimes and this was a learning curve for me because I'm very much a people pleaser um sometimes you have to distance yourself from that Mm. and say this isn't me this is their their yeah spot on I did some work with a lady that I I know you know called Kim Rain um love Kim she um she did some work with me where we did an exercise because I was really struggling with that and I'm a people pleaser too and you want to fix everything for them and make everything okay and you you can't so we did some work around um, circles where you have your inner circle with your ride and die sort of people and then your outer circle which doesn't necessarily include all of your immediate family which was quite an eye-opener for me Um, and as the circles go out your giving less and less of yourself not being unpleasant or anything like that but less of you personally to that circle and franchisees aren't in the inner circle no no they're not (laughs) um yeah it's tricky it's a tricky thing isn't it franchising um what I would caveat saying you know one of the things that we did really early on was to make a plan. And I wanted 10 franchise sales in year one. And we ended up with nine. Um, and, And now looking back, like I didn't know what I know now back in 2016 when we franchised. Um, 
but that was probably the best thing that we did had that plan I remember just like right year one we'll do this many and Alex is like will we I'm like yes we will (laughs) (laughs) anything is possible Um, and it and it is right it is I almost find getting those first pilot franchises the hardest thing just Mm -hmm. getting somebody on board to like jump on the ship with you is the hardest which is is why I think it's great that you help with that recruitment process yeah so having a warm audience to to sell to so at three weeks of the year I work for free in um February July and October um, and I run a challenge called Franchise Like a Boss and one of the things that we work on in Franchise Like a Boss is um seeing yourself as a franchisor as a supplier to a certain industry where your ideal franchisees hang out so you're going to them in bulk and um you're you're trying to fill the top of that funnel (laughs) that old cliche um by approaching one touch admin style all of your ideal franchisees where they hang out in bulk so for example if it's I mean we had one lady who wanted semi-retired ladies who were over 60 so I was like right WI is your new friend (laughs) get in there (laughs) Um, and you're kind of looking at where they hang out online and offline and going for them in bulk to try and get those inquiries in yeah and what would you say then um to somebody who's trying to get that first um franchisee in obviously they'll go out they'll go and um try and spread the word but maybe they feel like they don't have the confidence on the franchise call because they haven't got any franchises yet so it's difficult isn't it to go this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be the next leading franchise. Haven't got anyone in yet, but I got a feeling it's going to be good. That Sometimes I see people struggling with that initial franchise call. I think it's important to be realistic that the first person you're going to speak to isn't going to buy and that you will be let down and people will book discovery calls with you and not turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll reply to inquiries and you think, why on earth did you bother inquiring if you're not even going to reply to me? Um, and, and you'll have probably 100 um, conversations. The conversion rate that I see is between 1% and 3% for franchise from franchise inquiry to recruitment. Um, so you want to be filling the top of that funnel and expecting to be having conversations that don't go anywhere. Um, and every franchisor that I know has had situations where it's got through even to a deposit being put down mm-hmm. and then the franchisee backs out just before they're due to sign the agreement. So even when you think that it's just over the line, you're even let down right at that last minute. So I I think that um, keeping on, keeping on, (laughs) trying to keep that um, enthusiasm up. But if you're passionate about the offering and you can see the bigger picture and you can see the potential and you know, like for me, it was all these dogs' lives are going to be saved (laughs) because we're going to teach people how to do canine CPR. And with WYSIWOOs, I know that a child's um, financial um, literacy mindset is set, their opinions around money is set by age seven. So we need to get in there. I know that there are sort of 420,000 people um, who have suicidal thoughts around money every year, and 100,000 of those go on to attempt taking their own lives. But surely the key is to get in there before they're seven. Mm-hmm. And yeah. talk about this all the time, actually. I didn't I hadn't heard of that um company, but we always talk about why why this isn't 
taught in schools it's crazy oh, we, need to, we need to talk about busy ways another day charlie yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm here for it um, my first franchisee <laughs> yay <laughs> love it people are always always shocked by this but we have a hundred inquiries um and out of that a hundred i'll have four four calls yeah that doesn't surprise me and then out of those four how many then convert one mm. yeah one. Same. Yeah. So it's all about filling that funnel and knowing, so you, you know, and content. when we realize that people are like, oh my gosh, but I'm like, well, it's fine. We just need hundreds of people. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, but when, for example, you've got a franchisee who wants to sell their territory on, and then a percentage of the money goes back into head office from that territory sale, as well as the money, obviously, to the franchisee. Mm for their territory sale, but percentage of that goes back into head office to help them with setting up that new franchisee. People don't see the level of work that goes on behind the scenes to make all of that happen because most franchisors are so good at what they do, they almost make it look too easy. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I would say, you know, often I've had clients who are like, oh, someone's opened up something similar and they're franchising. And I'm like, Let's just wait, because out of all of the people that I've seen franchising, a lot of people drop out when it gets a bit too hard and it gets hard quite quick. So don't worry. Yeah, and it, it really does. And what I find so sad is when I speak to people who've been through the franchising process, spent thousands of pounds um, to go through the process with a consultant, and then they're almost dropped at the end and they come to me and they're like, Joe, I just can't do it. I haven't got it in me. I can't carry it on. And they stop then and they don't carry on and and see it through um and I'm like I can help you <laughs> yeah, everyone needs Joe in their pockets um Joe as you know I end all of my podcasts with the same three questions are you ready oh I don't know Go on, shoot, shoot. <laughs> um who inspires you my children I have to say I yeah my children are amazing I'm very blessed to have two of my own and two stepsons um and they are just yeah their resilience their um the way that they pick themselves up and dust themselves off and carry on they're just amazing beings and um yeah I'm very proud of each and every one of them and I'd say they are my why and my inspiration Amazing. I'm sure that they got that resilience from you because as I get around their little toe rags sometimes. I just hope they're not half as bad as I was. (laughs) As a franchisor, though, you do have to be incredibly resilient, don't you? So I'm sure that they have seen that in you. Um, Number two, can you recommend us a book? I certainly can. And I'm actually, oh, it's it's so hard to pick, but the one that I'm going to, can I say two? (laughs) Sure. <laughs> can I say three <laughs> okay so um I'm gonna go three because okay. I've my reading list is insane and I yeah I'm total nerd so the e-myth revisited by Michael E. Gerber um it's an oldie but it's a goodie and anyone considering franchising I'd recommend you read it um the Answer by Barbara and Alan Pease I'm just listening to that for the third time oh, wow. um Oh, it is just the answer. It's it's ace. 
It is what it is. I'm sold. <laughs> um, and then Grant Cardone, either 10x or be obsessed or be average. He literally wrote be obsessed or be average for me. Um, <laughs> I listened to it. And I'm like, it was yeah. good of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Grant Cardone. I've got uh, yeah, I, I love 10x. Yeah, amazing. Um, um, and finally, what is a piece of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Oh, now if you'd asked me that 10, 15 years ago, I think my answer would have probably been different. But I would say swap could for, no, swap should for could. So whenever your self-talk is, oh, I, I should do that and I should do that and I should do that, swap it for could in your head. So I could do that or I could do that. And it just changes your perspective of things. Uh, what would the advice have been 10 or 15 years ago just out of interest oh I think probably (laughs) focus on IGTs and KRAs your income generating tasks and your key response areas um, and just um, go 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 for those IGTs (laughs) Joe you have been amazing everyone's probably already heard where to follow you at the beginning of this podcast in your sponsorship but tell us again what where can people find you and follow your journey you can find me on linkedin joe middleton on linkedin facebook and on insta franchise business school and of course franchisebusinessschool.com awesome thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening